Welcome to the Easy Peasy Podcast, where we discuss living better through permaculture, mindfulness, decentralization, flow, freedom, agorism, anarchy, and more. Our mission is to solve life's complex problems with simple solutions. I'm your host, Mike the Polymath Whistler, coming from the Easy Peasy Shop in Indianapolis, Indiana, the crossroads of America. Thanks for joining us. Check one, two. That sounds pretty good. All right, we got Hunter. What's happening, brother? How you doing, man? Good, good. I'm going to silence my phone. Um, Do the same. Yeah. You know, it always, when when I listen to a podcast and I hear a ding go off in the background, like, yep. uh-huh. instinctually, like, you reach for your phone, you know? Remember, like, ten years ago, too, when it would be, like, ba 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 like, that whole, like, feedback deal, just mm. electronically? <laughs> well, I, like, was thinking the other day how nice it used to be. <clears throat> Everybody had, like, individualized ringtones. Now, oh, uh-huh. Now we've all got the same shit, so, uh, you know, it's kind of hard to know when it's yours, but... Right on, right on. Whatever. <laughs> In any event, thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, dude. Stoked to be here. Yeah. Um, so I wanted you to come on because I just think you're like a cool cool dude. Appreciate that. And uh, we've gotten to know each other at the pub, as I call it. I know it's whatever. It's not a pub English style, but like... It's the neighborhood hangout. It's the neighborhood bar. And, um, and I've come to know that you make a living in a pretty fucking cool way. And I just thought, like, we'd bring you on the show and kind of get your story if we could, you know, like start out with where you're from, if we could, and like sort of what you do. For sure, yeah. So I'm from Los Angeles, California, um, kind of the Santa Monica, Malibu area originally, but uh, grew up just sort of surfing, skateboarding, doing the regular stuff around there. yeah, went to college, all that good stuff. Uh, and then when I got out of there, I'm like, what am I going to do, really? You know, I grew up surfing and stuff for Rip Curl. Kind of did a lot of, you know, semi-professional contests and everything else. And for who? For Rip Curl. Rip Curl? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, yeah, so I rode for them and Freestyle Watches and Osiris Shoes, a couple other brands and stuff. And no just, shit. Yeah, no yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah, so just did some, you know, um, amateur contests all growing up through high school and stuff. Was captain of the Malibu High School surf team and all that sort of shit. Um, mm-hmm. Graduated in 09 and decided, like, I needed to get out of L.A. and out of the surfing scene a little bit because I could see myself just spiraling into it. Yeah. So I went up to San Francisco and tried to get more into art than I had been previously. And yeah, really enjoyed it all up there and everything. But when I graduated, I didn't see myself necessarily staying up north or anything. So I started looking around for gigs and uh, Red Bull Global Rallycross came up and I hit them up being like, hey, I'm, you know, grew up watching IndyCar, you know, I'm a race fan, but I'm also a surfer and a skateboarder and you guys are in the X Games. So like, I'm your target demo. So hire me to sell me to me. Mm-hmm. And yeah, they, they bought it, started as an intern, worked my way up to being like their chief graphic designer and doing all their branding. And from there, moved on to IndyCar, and that's what brought me to Indiana. Hell yeah. Yeah. I'm glad it did, because like, 
<laughs> you know, I don't know. I'm glad we met. It's it's a wild thing. I didn't know that you were like sponsored. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. No, I used to ride. I've been to yeah. Fiji. I've been to Hawaii. I've been to yeah. You might have you might have told me. You know, like whenever we see each other, we're at various. States. Oh yeah, you know it. Uh, but <laughs> yep. yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, man. Um, so you came to Indy because of the race scene, like, and you get to you get to get right up like into it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, no, I do um, photography, videography, and social media for uh, uh, Vassar Sullivan Racing. So okay. we're in the IMSA series, and then we previously have been in IndyCar from 2018 till you know, this season. We're taking a little bit of a break right now. Mm. But yeah, we're still the factory Lexus team over in IMSA. That's cool, man. Yeah. That's cool. I, uh, I imagine, like, I don't know. You're you're on the job when you have to go to these races and stuff, but mm-hmm. doesn't mean it's not a kick-ass thing, right? Oh, it's awesome! Yeah, I, I yeah. love it to death. It's one of those yeah. deals where I, you know, I, I would pay to be there if I could be. You know what I mean? Like it's mm-hmm. it's a vacation that I get paid to go to. It's awesome. I love yeah. working for it. You know, it's, it's yeah, long I mean, hours, but it's rad. So like most recently, I know you just were out of town. Like where where'd you go? Yeah, I was at the uh, Daytona Twenty Four Hours, okay. Rolex Twenty Four. Yeah. yeah, so that's that's a big day. We uh, usually like race day, race days. We uh, we get there about seven in the morning, and the race starts one in the afternoon. Doesn't end till the following one in the afternoon the next day. But since we're doing PR and social media and all that, the day kind of starts when the race ends. So at the che- fall of the checkered flag, it's like all right, write the story, come up with the releases, make the graphics, put the video out. You can finally like tell the story. So this whole twenty four hours, you've been recording and doing all this stuff and setting up for it, but you don't know what the end of the story is until it actually ends, right? Sure. So you've got to edit it and all, do it all in live time, sort of, but still get it out there in time to where it's, I don't know, pertinent to everyone on social media. Like everything moves so quick online. If I put that out on a Tuesday, no one cares about what happened on Sunday. You got to get it out immediately. So are you like blogging at all? Are you uh, like Instagram okay, and you know, Twitter, Instagram. all that okay. good stuff? Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. But and that's just you doing all these one man band. Yeah, we yeah. do have uh, a, a photography you know company that does provide shots and stuff. So like as the race is going on, I can just like tweet their stills out and do the whole deal. But as far as any video footage and everything else, it's just straight up me one man band in it. I need to like follow this team tell, yeah, tell me the name again so it's vassar sullivan so at vassar sullivan v-a-s-s v-a-s-s-e-r-s-u-l-l-i-v-a-n cool, cool. yeah that's rad like no, um, they're you know awesome company to work for they're really grassroots and just trusted me to you know be the voice of their stuff like when they got back you know, they used to be um kvsh was an indycar team for a while okay. and uh that was both of the team owners were part owners of that and when they decided to get back into IndyCar, they had already seen what I had done with Rallycross and wanted to bring me on board. And I had no experience as far as being like a professional videographer, or, you know, social media person. I just was a graphic designer, but they trusted my voice for their brand. Mm. And we've gone a long way. So it's been good. That's cool. That's cool. I, uh, I guess, it's, I mean, it sounds like all this, uh, you didn't necessarily go out of your way for this gig, did you? Or was the, it? Uh, dude, the wor- I, I hate to say like I've just fallen ass backwards into luck, but that's kind of <laughs> what it is. I, I almost <laughs> like already assumed that about you. Like you just seem like a leaf on the wind type of dude. Yeah. So like the fact that you moved to Indy like for this gig, I I almost assumed you got recruited 
for the guy. No, and they didn't. Rec- no, no part of this team is in Indy. I just came here to be like centrally located. This is where my mom and my brother and my sister really? are because our family got fractured back in the day when I was in San Francisco. So I came here to be closer to family. And then also, it's you know, my dog can get taken care of when I got to travel all these races and all that stuff. But it's nice. It's convenient. Nothing's more than a two, three hour flight. It's just central. I I love it here, dude. I okay. That's even cooler. Yeah, like, you chose Indy. Like this play, this company doesn't care where you live. Yeah, basically, not at all. I could, I could still live in LA if I wanted to. I chose here. Wow. Yeah. Wow. A lot of people would be like shocked to hear that. I, I get that a lot when I tell people like I lived in Utah, lived in Colorado. Mm-hmm. They're like, "Why didn't you stay out there?" People say I have like a color or a California vibe. I'm like, you do. I don't know. I don't know what I mean. It's it's more just uh, I don't know I guess I'm laid back or I attempt to be but you know, a California vibe is kind of like over specifying. I think it depends on what vibe you're you know what yeah, I mean like yeah, there's yeah. there's a lot of different kinds of California vibe. California's a big spot. <laughs> yeah, true. But I guess you know people are like shocked to hear that you didn't you know that you would choose to come back to Indiana no. and you're not even from here but I guess the draw of your your mom and yeah no growing up it was one of those deals where um you know and then this ties back into racing as well Mm. we wouldn't i wouldn't see my grandparents for christmas or easter yeah major holidays or whatever we'd always see them for the indy 500 so we, we would like the month of may is christmas to me it's when i see my cousins it's when i see my grandparents it's when you know that's the closest i ever get to a family gathering there's no thanksgiving but there's the indy 500 okay so, so we that we, was that was always a part of the i deal. haven't missed yeah. an indy 500 since i was eight years old wow cool yeah cool. it's 30 years old now so yeah you know, i've <laughs> yeah been to a lot of them yeah and you know and now i work them so it's it's one of those deals where it's totally switched from being the kid in the grandstands like can i have you know uh ice cream to mm-hmm. i'm gonna grab a beer to oh my god i gotta file this thing and i, I i'll see you guys later yeah, you know not yeah. having enough time to hang out with my friends that are still in the stands yeah i'm does that ruin it at all no change? it's it's no, fun no. it's just as great yeah it's it's there's it's waking up the morning of where it never changes. I could be 11 years old. The I could excitement. be yeah, 30 years old. It's the same deal where I wake up. I'm like, today's the day. Like it's yeah. it's Christmas Day. Yeah, it's, yeah, you get yeah. to open the presents. It, for anybody that has never gone to the 500, it's like hard to even describe. You know. Because it's got like the same vibe yeah. as maybe like a music festival. Imagine growing or... up in California where no one's ever been and no one cares. And maybe they've seen it on TV, but maybe they think it's still NASCAR. And yeah. to you, that's Christmas, right? So you, yeah. I'm growing up surfing, doing the whole deal, going to skate parks. Like, what are you doing this weekend? It's Memorial Day. We got Monday off of school. Well, I'm going to Indiana to watch cars go in a circle. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. The yeah. fuck's the matter with you? I'm like, this is the best thing in the world and you guys just don't understand. It's ridiculous. <laughs> yep. it's, yeah, it's badass like it's loud it's fucking hot usually it's fucking the sea of humanity rambunctious people yeah you know and like yeah man um it's it's a pretty like wild they call it a spectacle for a reason yeah you know um i i'm a little envious because like i you know i love the 500 for what it does for the for the 
for indie and mm-hmm. I love going to it as like that drunk sort of like spectator that kind of doesn't care one way or the other who oh, who yeah. wins but mm-hmm. I I know some people are really into the actual racing side I guess like you probably are one of those yes. yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah racing is like baseball that's the best comparison I can make where if you watch baseball and you're not a fan it's two guys playing catch basically and there's a batter in between. Yeah. But if you watch baseball with someone that knows it, they're like, Oh, he's gonna throw this pitch, they're gonna do that. There's so much strategy that goes into every single throw. Mm-hmm. And it's the same in racing where there's okay, are they gonna undercut, are they gonna overcut, are they taking two tires, four tires, what's the pit strat you know, what's the fuel? Mm-hmm. There's so much more into it that it's not just people driving around on a track. There's strategy, there's it's chess with mm-hmm. a motor there was a race on just like sometime in the last week or something i was watching some of it at, at the dugout were you there or were you uh, i probably wasn't but i yeah was it nascar or it was nascar okay yeah yeah uh-huh and I, I'm almost asking if you were at the dugout more than if you were at the, at the race. <laughs> Usually um, I watch racing at home because I get into it and I want to watch it with sound and stuff. I, I can't just like watch it passively. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's my sport. I, I couldn't. I couldn't tell you where the race was, except that it looked like somewhere... Las Vegas uh, was this past week. Could have been Vegas. Um, Yeah, and it felt like a kind of short track. Yeah, it's mile and a half, I want to say. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, I caught just like the last maybe 10 laps, and uh, it felt like the guys were driving just hard as fuck. Like, a lot of uh, position changes. Yep. And, like, very aggressive, you know... You know, on the short track, there's just like a lot of opportunity for mistakes. It seems like, mm-hmm. um, you know, the 500 is how big of a it's two and a half mile oval. Two and a half. Yeah, and uh, the other difference is um, IndyCar does not promote pack racing, whereas NASCAR is all about pack racing. They want bumper to bumper people doing the whole thing. Whereas in an open wheel car, if you're doing bumper to bumper, it's that's no good. You gotta, you know, it's more about the mystique of how do you pass someone, how do you mess with their air, you know, what do you do? Because when you get up close, your engine starts to get hot too. So it's there's a lot more gamesmanship in the open wheel side of oval racing, whereas NASCAR is how do I mess with this dude? How can I bump and run? You know, shake more and bake, the, uh, shake and bake, which yeah. is cool too. It's Ricky it's Bobby, it's got yeah. its own spot. Both mm. of them are awesome. It's just two different, you know. Yeah. There's yeah. apple pie and there's cherry pie. They're both good. Oh God! I always said if I just if I had the money, like the coolest hobby in the world might be like dirt track racing and look at rallycross. Rally so cross. that's what I came from. Yeah, is that right? Yeah, okay. yeah. So rallycross was the first gig that I had out of college. Red Bull Global Rallycross. They were um, in the X Games for a bit um, during the uh, I guess the LA years, but mostly the Texas years when we did it in Austin and stuff. But rallycross racing is. Less than a mile track, um, you know, and if you're familiar with rally, usually it's point A to point B racing through the forest or on a crazy windy mountain road and all that. And whoever mm-hmm. gets there the quickest wins the stage, and there's several stages, blah, blah, blah. So this great guy, Chip Pankow, love him to this day, awesome dude, decided like, hey, let's do this in, you know, let's convert this to America and let's make this on a closed circuit. Let's do it real, real fast. Let's do 10 laps to a race you know, less than a mile circuit. So these guys would just totally race around, you know, um, best way I could describe it is it's the way to make production cars cool to kids again. Right. So okay, this started yeah. 2014 or so right <clears throat> after the, uh, 
last sort of financial crisis and everything. So how do you make cheap, affordable, fuel-efficient cars cool to kids? How do you sell a Ford Focus to a 17-year-old? What I was going to say, so it's a lot of like all-wheel drive yep. hatchbacks and sedans and yep. like Subarus, Subarus Fords, Fords, a uh, Volkswagen GTIs, maybe Audi or Audi's uh, on the um, is that another European class? side? Yeah, okay. no, they're on the European side because uh, Rallycross has been a thing since the '70s. It just has never penetrated into America. Yeah, so that's yeah. what they were trying to do back in the you know early tens or whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, the idea was bring it to the X Games, do the whole deal make it presentable to kids, make these Subarus jump a 70-foot jump and the yeah. whole deal. Make every kid want a WRX. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, ex- yeah that's exactly yeah. the point. Yeah, right. how do you, right. you know, and that's how you sell it to both the car companies and also the general public is, you know, okay, cool. You need these kids to buy the cars. These kids need to buy an affordable car. Let's meet in the middle here and make them jump on dirt. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. they they did all that, got into it from there, and that's how I, you know, got my gig after surfing and after school and all that was just going hey you know i watch surfing i watch skateboarding that you know i'm into car racing and you guys are sort of making cars do skate tricks let's do it yeah you know it's funny i tried three di- three times to silence my phone and apparently it didn't oh, take... i double checked mine too yeah. just to double check yeah now it's finally silenced um apologies nah. to the to the listeners <laughs> uh but that's cool man yeah i i i do dig like dirt race uh you know rally is cool i i used to have a little subaru the forester you know yeah. it, looked, it looked like a grocery getter but it drove like a little rally car and i had it it's when i rally lived, car roots yeah i drove it when i had when i lived in utah and i took it on some pretty like gnarly shit um i always talk about how one time i decided to go fishing up on the mountain sort of you know just outside of the area that i was living in and uh I I drive up this just like gnarly trail, but the thing kicked ass. It didn't hesitate, didn't have any trouble. And I get there and there's nothing but Jeeps and lift, you know, there's like four or five vehicles. They're like all jacked up, you know, all terrain, you know, four by four heavy duty shit on 30, you know, five inch tires. And, and I'm there in my bone stock Subaru. I felt so, so fucking cool about it. But, uh, you know, I, I've always been into cars. I've always been into, like, you know, I, I got into dirt bikes and stuff recently. But, um, you know, the racing community just seems like I, I was never a sports cat, but, like, I could actually see myself getting into racing. Yeah. It's just a high, high barrier of entry. Um, There's a lot of money involved yeah, to yeah. get in there on the driver side of things. But yeah. the cool part about the community is it's again like a lot like surfing and skating when I grew up there's there's the people that are in the circle and there's the people that are out of circle like if you're hanging out at the beach you all day you know you, you you surf a little bit you come back and you you make fun of people and oh this guy's a kook this guy's whatever you know just sort of like being a general shithead a little bit yeah, yeah and there's part of racing it's the same way whereas if you show up at a racetrack there's people that are there to just watch the crashes and there's people that are there that know the strategy and everything else and yeah. the biggest compliment you could ever be given is to call someone to call you a racer yeah so you know being like there's like oh he's a surfer he's a skater like that's nothing there's you know oh he's he's here working he's here whatever no no no. he's a racer like that's it's it's a badge that you wear 
and I don't necessarily know if I've even been given it yet after almost 10 years in it, but yeah. it's one of those deals where that's what you work for is to be accepted by the tribe in the same way that you would in any sort of countercultural sport. So do you want to like be a driver? No, not at all. No. I just want to be in the community. I just okay. love, I love the love of it all. You know what I mean? Yeah, These yeah. people do everything for it. And that's something that I totally admire and understand on a different level. Mm-hmm. And it's cool to be a part of that community. And I hope I'm accepted in it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, I've like put my toe in the water with a few different types of communities like bikers. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like, yeah, it's gnarly. It's kind of, well, <laughs> it's kind of like what you said though, with, um, you know, you, you, you could be a skater, you could be a, you know, this, that, or the other all it really takes to be a biker is to buy a motorcycle like and don't be a total fucking like narc mm, yeah, <laughs> you sure. know that's like the only two real yep. stipulations but then again there are like varying levels you know it's like you you know from hanging out at the, at the dugout that occasionally the the hell's angels roll up i think that's awesome and I'm yeah i'm a big I, fan of that i agree like they provide a level of uh security you might call it or uh just like a i don't know they don't cause trouble yeah as far as i've seen and um you know they roll up and it's kind of like all right everybody like be on your best behavior yeah it keeps keeps the 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 frat variety of people in order whereas us guys that are normally sort of there and hang out anyway it's like all right cool man what's going on how's your day there's nothing intimidating about it but like your bike you know yeah yeah, yeah, exactly you know We're all we're all cool, but if yeah. those people that we're gonna get out of line, yeah, maybe they think twice about it. Well, I I imagine it's similar like to what you're describing with the racing community, where it's like in the biker community, like I said, all you have to do is buy a bike, but like to be in a club, mm-hmm. that takes some, you know, pay, yeah, paying dues. You see guys hanging out, uh, prospects with, for a year or two. Yeah, mm-hmm. they they can't wear the patch yet. Yep, that might say prospect or. Uh, yeah, whatever on their on their yeah, they're vest, not patched but, in, but mm-hmm. they're not. They can't wear the patch, and it's kind of like you got to wonder what you know what exactly is the uh, initiation ritual. But, oh my god, as a yeah. photographer and a videographer too, it's even more so because your whole job is to get in their way, right? If uh, I'm there filming a pit stop, I'm directly in someone's way every single time. So that's hard to oh, be accepted that the, way. The only yeah, way to yeah. do it is to tell them straight up. Like, yeah. you know, we're, we're hanging out and they're working on the car or whatever in between sessions. It's just like, hey, guys, I'm sorry that I was in the way. I'm going to be in the way again all year long. Like, that's just, that's what it is. And yeah, you try to buy them yeah. beers or whatever back at the hotel at the end of the night when yeah. everyone's, you know, back chilling and you're all at a Holiday and Express. Yeah. It's like, you know what I can do? Go get some Miller Lights and make everyone happy. Yeah. It's, yeah. you know, you, you try to find other ways that you can fill in as a team member knowing that like yeah i'm directly detrimental to the whole operation but at the same time this is how we promote ourselves this is how we get sponsors this is half of the you know most important thing we do other than how we finish on track so you know we we could have a shitty day but we still need to look cool right yeah so it's it's one of those deals where yeah you just sort of have to yin and yang it with everyone but they're usually pretty cool so i know you you're basically like a I don't know, you're a social media like P- yeah. PR guy, but mm-hmm. I mean, it almost sounds like you're halfway to like journalism, ha- you know. I'd like to think so. Yeah, I mean, you're obviously getting paid by one team, mm-hmm. you know, to promote them and all that, but do you ever think about like 
what your ultimate job might be in this world or are you living would, it or like what i do would you think? like i mean halfway living it for yeah, sure. yeah i'd yeah. like to just be straight up art director like as i okay. as it stands i already design all of the you know uniforms that everyone wears the driver suits everything but the car itself because i don't do 3d modeling okay i yeah. design yeah so it, it's awesome to go like no this is the attitude we want to have and this is this and this is that but it would be cool if I had social media people or someone underneath of me that I could then direct and do a whole bigger, you know, sort of bigger picture idea. Yeah. So it'd be cool to be a total art direction thing where maybe I don't have to travel as much. But uh-huh. at the same time, I can totally handle what we're doing. We're good. Yeah, well, and I suppose, like, if you don't travel, you're not at the races. Yeah, and so. I've done that before. I've, I've yeah. stopped the travel deal and then I missed it and was yeah, like, oh, yeah. I need to get back. So, like, what's your schedule kind of like? You, you said some weeks you're busy, some weeks you're not. I'm yeah, kidding. so I just travel with the races. Usually it's a, kind of a Thursday through Monday sort of deal for racing <coughs> on a Sunday. Um, last year it was pretty crazy because we had both IndyCar and sports car. So mm-hmm. IndyCar had 17 race weekends. I went ahead and say sports car had 14. So I was gone most of the, you know, between February and October, there wasn't many weekends I was around. Mm-hmm. This summer, we're just doing sports cars, so it's going to be a little bit nicer. But uh, yeah, it's some traveling, but it's all good. So like, when COVID started, did mm-hmm. all the races stop, or was it just no spectators? Like, So I was actually, we had a race canceled while we were already there, because uh, COVID broke out during mm-hmm. the middle of St. Pete grand prix weekend for indycar mm. so we flew there on it was the first race weekend of the year so we flew there on a tuesday or a wednesday and by thursday things were like oh man like this isn't this isn't right like you know something's going on you know they're yeah, th- talking yeah. about canceling things making it not spectators whatever and then uh the funny story is we had a truck guy that was going to come in and like wash all of our transporters and all that make it all shiny for the fans and when he came up to the gate, we were like, okay, cool. So, like, we'll jump in your car. We'll show you where to go. And he's like, no, 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 no. Like, I'm not cool with germs. Like, this COVID thing. We're like, you know what? You can leave then. Like, you're an asshole. Like, we're, we're totally like, this guy's a germaphobe crazy. Yeah. And then, like, 48 hours later, we're like, do we need to buy a car to get home? Or is yeah, there going to still yeah, be flights? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, it was yeah. just totally, like, that guy was totally right. Yeah. It's almost easy to forget how, like, chaotic that first yeah week was we yeah. uh we had a press conference and everything saying that we weren't going to be open to the fans for qualifying and all that mm. and then me and my crew guys you know the whole team we all went out to like a bar and we we're sort of hanging out next to the hotel and all of a sudden on the news it was nfl or sorry nhl cancel season nba suspends games yeah, this whole thing we're like yeah. oh we're not racing this weekend like before they ever made the announcement it was very clear that night that we're all going to get on planes tomorrow like this isn't happening wild yeah i was on my way home from uh from a work trip and uh it was the last trip i did with this company and won't go into it um but i remember like the news and everything and it was just very like hard to know hard to know what was gonna happen and uh got back home like sat down talked to my roommates like well i guess we should go to the grocery store and get a couple weeks worth of provisions and yeah, uh, but when it comes to like making a living off of something that's a public spectacle, that was probably like a little bit hair-raising. Yeah. yeah. So did you continue to like get paid like 
Yes, my yeah. company was yeah. awesome. Vassar yeah. Sullivan were the best people ever. They totally cool. took care of us the whole way through it all. Like, that was all good. Um, yeah, yeah. It did get interesting just with, like, when are we going to go back to... Like, when do we see people again? Mm. And uh, honestly, until this past January when I was at the Rolex 24, we really didn't see a full grandstand of fans. You know, the Indy 500 said that there was... 25% capacity or whatever they had said it was. It was full. It was great. That was awesome. Mm-hmm. But the, going to the Rolex 24 this past January and actually seeing RVs and people and every, you know kids wanting autographs from everything, it was so, I don't know, it was such like a rebirth for everything, for sports, for you know humanity. Yeah. Uh, wasn't the 500 like one of the first big events to yes bring back a you know yep. spectatorship mm-hmm. yeah. and it was the largest for a considerable amount of months i think until maybe the olympics or something like that because what is it the um is it the penske family or who who owns yeah. the penskis or uh, roger penske yeah uh, owns the indy 500 and indianapolis motor speedway now and he uh-huh. also owns the series itself yeah, yeah, yeah but uh that only took place pretty much since the pandemic yeah yeah but i <laughs> I almost got the impression that he kind of was like a renegade in saying like we're gonna have these fucking events like and people are gonna come out and I'll be damned you know and like yep. this and that you know <laughs> he, he's not a guy that I would necessarily want to work for because I have tattoos and longer hair and I don't necessarily uh, think I fit the Pinsky brand but as a man I so respect and appreciate everything that he's done for the sport and yeah, as yeah. just a dude like I've I haven't heard a single bad thing about him. You know what I mean? It's one of those guys where everyone appreciates and knows what he does. Yeah. And, you know, while, you know, I don't know if necessarily me and him would, like, get along over a beer or something like that. I so appreciate and love what he's done for our sport and our community. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, clearly, um, you know, Indianapolis and, um, you know, the 500 and just IndyCar and everything, like, there's a, there's a, there's a relationship there that can't be, yeah. uh, and he understands yeah. it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think he's, uh, he's done a good job. I don't, I, I don't know anybody in the city that's like upset with the way he's taken things. Oh God, or, no, no, he's know. improved the speedway in so many ways. <laughs> yeah, he's yeah. put so much money into it, but at the same time, he hasn't taken any soul out of it. Mm-hmm. It's not, you know, I, I want to, like, it's almost like a Fenway park deal, right? It's not Yankee Stadium where they tear it down and build a new one. It's yeah, hey, no, 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 we're the or Wrigley Field, I guess too. It's like hey, this yeah. is this is where we're at. This is what we're gonna do. Maybe we put in some lights and do night games. You know what I mean? He's he's yeah. that sort of dude. It's definitely a Wrigley Field vibe where he's he's got it figured out. He knows the soul of the place and he's not gonna compromise it for money. Yeah, yeah, because he's got enough of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and if you do it right, you'd, you'll make even more, but like, exactly. not not by sacrificing what made it great to begin with. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the the Speedway is just like, it's crazy for folks that have never been to Indy or even like necessarily looked at an aerial sort of view of the city, but the Speedway itself is just such a like monolith of a you know like oh, yeah. feature on the city landscape it's huge i mean and uh <laughs> you know you hang out around here you know in early may and you'll 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 get the idea or is it late may 
Oh, well, it used I, to be I, all of May. All of May. Yeah, yeah, yeah they've yeah, shortened yeah. it up. Yeah, so now it's yeah. late May. It's always Memorial Day weekend. Right, right, right But right. it used to be practicing all May and then the yeah. two qualifying weekends. You know, the whole deal. So yeah. now it's just shortened to practice, two qualifying weekends, and the race itself. But then they have the um, Grand Prix the week before on the road course. Well, I bet you're similar to me if you went as a young boy. Uh, you saw things at the Indy 500 as a young man that... <laughs> That you'll never forget, you know what I mean? Oh, like, I, yeah, I learned yeah, words, yeah. too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Learn a couple new words and uh, see some unforgettable sights. Uh, some good, some bad. Yep, but, yep. Yeah, yeah. You know, my dad always tells how uh, they were walking through the snake pit. My mom was seven and a half, eight months pregnant. Mm-hmm. And some guy from on top of an RV wolf whistled her, you know. Oh, like, Jesus. And uh, it's like you know like have a little class would you you know yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that, you don't go to the 500 for class yeah no it's pretty much um you know it's uh some kind of blend of the fourth of july and like a motley crew concert oh exactly you know? yeah <laughs> totally yeah, yeah. no I, my dad wasn't much of a man but i remember my uncle saying like you're gonna say or you're gonna hear and you're gonna see some things that you're not gonna understand but one day it'll make sense uh-huh. <laughs> that was my like line going into it yeah all. just keep your eyes and ears open <laughs> yeah son. just yeah. you know you're gonna see some things you're gonna hear some things mm-hmm. it's all okay there's yeah. no harm but you're not gonna understand it quite yet <laughs> so what's the next best i mean is the 500 like the best racing event Oh, the 500. Yeah, nothing compares to that. I, I had to just jewel. make sure. Like, yeah, yeah. But I'm biased, right? But mm-hmm. uh, apparently so are you. But next to that, what, what's your favorite? If you are going to go party and you don't care about the racing, uh-huh. go to the Sebring 12 Hours. Okay. And it's actually coming up in a couple, uh, fuck, two weeks from now. Uh-huh. But yeah, Sebring 12 Hours, great. Uh, there's more crazy party. Like, as you know, just going around documenting things. I've seen things there that I haven't even seen at the 500. Um, yeah, like maybe back in the 70s or whatever, but they're still burning couches down there. Yeah, I saw yeah. a man with airline seats in the back of his pickup truck. <laughs> there was an aquarium that was inside of an 80s television. There, I, And I've got photo evidence. Like, yeah, there, yeah. Was, there was some wild shit down there yeah. that I totally was like, this is awesome. And I'm so happy this still exists somewhere in America. Well, I'm thinking I might have to, uh, even though I only live a couple few miles from the from the raceway, I might have to take my camper down there. Oh yeah, anyhow, that's a co-clot special. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Gonna and I can and I can have my motorbike with me too and yep. just zip around and whatever, do my thing. Yep, uh, get in and out of places, but. Oh shit, man! I'm looking forward to the 500 this year. I'm thinking I'll have to make an episode or two out of it. Oh, you got it. Cause uh, that might be a video blog episode. Yeah, man, it's uh, it's it's kind of a one of a one of a kind type of thing. Uh, but yeah, man. So I guess I'm curious to get like I don't know, get more into like who Hunter is, man. You know, you grew up in California. Yeah, and was surfing your entire life, just surfing, surfing and skating, like. I see you keep getting part, a phone call. You, need, uh, you can no, check we're, on that we're if you need. Right, <coughs> yeah, no, I um, well, I was actually born in Chicago, but okay. uh, we moved to California when I was six and a half, so I don't have much memory of living in the Midwest at all. I just kind of California. Mm-hmm. But we came out there. I was really into ice hockey. Ice hockey doesn't exactly exist in Southern California. Isn't that the whole premise of like the Mighty Ducks? Yeah, D two. Yeah, yeah <laughs> they start doing yeah, more yeah, hockey yeah. and stuff. Yeah. yeah, so pretty much that. But yeah, I came out there and was like, well, 
there's no one that plays hockey. There's no one that knows hockey. If I, I'm like, hey, cool, Chris Chelios is awesome. You guys watched the game last night? No one knows what I'm talking about. Uh-huh. But if I start surfing and skateboarding, I can make friends and all that. So I sort of got into it from there at a very young age and just sort of, I don't know, never turned back. Just, you know, no pads, no net, <laughs> no you balls, no you helmets. Didn't, you didn't transition with, like, uh, with like inline rollerblades at any no, point? No, I mean, my, my little brother is actually, a uh, like, a junior Olympic volleyball player, and he went to Butler and was, like, you know, uh, the women's volleyball, like, announcer and stuff. You know, very, wow. you know, very sportsman dude, like, totally into it, super professional. It's just that we took opposite routes. Like, all right, cool. You be that kid and I'll be this kid. And we'll never, ever argue at home. We're going to be best friends. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. That's cool. Yeah, I'm just imagining like Brink, you know. like <laughs> So Brink was filmed at my high school. No shit. Yep, no that shit. was filmed at Malibu High. Uh-huh, uh-huh, where they race from the high school down to the beach. Yeah, That's yeah. the exact route from uh, Malibu High down to Zuma Beach. And that same drive, Morning View Drive, is where Incubus recorded Morning View. <laughs> So how many kids got creamed, uh, you know, by cars rollerblading down that hill? I mean, no one rollerblades out there. Rollerblading is pretty lame, so everyone would skate down that hill. Yeah, the big yeah, thing yeah, was yeah. on that big hill was um, everyone, when they got their license, would pull their e-brake and do e-brake slides. <laughs> yeah, that was the big e-brake slide hill. <laughs> I can dig it. Yeah, yeah. So, I, I, I mean, was growing up on, like, the coast, I mean, was it what you imagined? Just, like... I don't know. It, uh, you, you get this like Hollywood image because it's kind of like Hollywood, right? Sure. But, I mean, did you have a good it's, time? <laughs> yeah, it's. I, I loved it. It's. Yeah. I, I can't compare it to growing up here because I didn't grow up here, so I don't yeah, know yeah, what yeah, the difference yeah. is necessarily. I mean, we whatever ride our bikes around instead of going surfing i guess but uh, i mean it's yeah. it's the same deal where we would take the bus or whatever like go into la like you know all right cool i need like two bucks and i can get a four-hour bus pass and i can go all the way to hollywood and back so you mm-hmm. do you know you do stuff like that and just get out and you know be a big city person even though sure. you were living in the suburbs yeah it was sort of that sort of deal we're like all right cool let's go to you know let's go skate this or let's go do that or there's this band playing here and we'll all say we're sleeping over at each other's houses and yeah yeah yeah, yeah. There was that sort of deal, but other than that, I don't know. Just normal growing up, just with the big city next to you. Yeah, no, it sounds. I mean, it sounds cool. I don't know. I uh, I got family in California and whatever, and but you know, you said you grew up like right. Was it Venice or? Uh, so I I moved to Hermosa Beach after I got out of school and all that, but I'm from like the Santa Monica Malibu area. Santa Monica. Okay, cool. Yeah, right on. No, you know, it's just everybody's got this image of like. What California is all about? And oh yeah, no. I drove, I've driven through there and all that, but uh, can't imagine, you know, just like being able to go surfing on a whim, you know. On it a, was nice on, to have surf as your PE, right? So and, you, and you can surf like all all year, right? Pretty I mean, much, yeah. yeah. I mean, the waves not might not be the best, but you can surf all year. Yeah, yeah. I I went surfing once uh, in San Diego, San Diego, and I only was able to stand up twice. But you got up. I got up, and (laughs) so the first time I, you know, when I got up, I'm like hooked, instantly hooked. I'm like, oh my god, I have to do that again. And then I spent about three hours trying and trying and like wearing myself out, and I finally fucking stood up. And Mm -hmm. as soon as I did, I just was like, okay, yeah. I probably only rode for like three seconds. 
but you know, it's yeah. like it's a good feeling, you know. Oh yeah, yeah. The, Jerry Seinfeld has a great bit about skater kids, but it totally applies to surfing too. Which is, you know, you gotta believe that these kids are gonna be all right if they're going to go for hours and hours a day and hurt themselves jumping down a flight of stairs for accolades that no one appreciates. They're gonna get kicked out. They might get a ticket from the cops. Like yeah. no one wants them doing this. It's for total self satisfaction. Yeah. And I yeah. think of surfing the same way as like, yeah, it'll never get you anywhere in life, or at least you know. You know, I tried as hard as I could. Didn't it got me here? But it's one of those deals where you're, you know, you, you do it for the love of it, and that's yeah. what it's about. There's, um, there's something about that with like mountain climbers too. Oh sure. Um, you know, they call it like the conquerors of the useless, basically. Mm-hmm. You know, what's the point? You made it to the top, like, like good for you. Yeah. <laughs> um, but. It's, it, I don't know, there's something about that, just the uh, doing something for its own sake, you know? And um, I always love the, uh, what, the, the Lords of Dogtown movie. Because, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's just kind of about, like, those early days of skateboarding and how the sport was kind of, like, figuring itself out. And how the, um, sort of the punk rock, like... So that's based all on a true story and everything. Right, right, yeah, right. Yeah, those are all real dudes and stuff. Um, one of my buddies from high school's dad was not in the movie or anything, but was one of the Z-Boys that was also on that same team. And Yeah. Yeah, no, that was that was real life where it was just, hey, cool, we're going to be a community of our own. There doesn't yeah. need to be a you know, basketball team or a football team. We're going to do it all. We're going to do it all right now. Yeah, yeah, and like just kind of like how the, um, I don't know, the, the real pioneers of the sport kind of like, weren't the ones that were trying too hard to like define it they're just the ones like doing it yeah i don't know i i guess surfing's you know significantly older but like when do you know like much about like the early days of competitive surfing and how that shook out or? so it um i think you could trace like competitive short you know modern day surfing to probably like the 1970s and really the 80s but more of the 70s and stuff like that as far so i guess as, not that much older at all no not really it's kind of the same amount of time as surfing or as skateboarding even though surfing's come from you know ancient polynesians surfed and all that but as far right. as commodifying it how do people make money off of it right so that's yeah, yeah. the same thing with skateboarding is skateboarding's been around since the 50s when people were sawing roller skates in half but in the 70s people found out how to make money off of it mm-hmm. it's just mm-hmm. commodification yeah i mean i suppose but there's also a refinement of the art you know like yeah because oh, those it's... early skateboards were pretty fucking rudimentary well even if you and... like go to uh the dogtown z-boy stuff they yeah. there's you know jay adams talks about yeah no we would saw a roller skate in half and we'd take a, a dresser drawer like a solid piece of oak or something cut it to shape make sure that the lines are straight and then we'd cut our decks so like before there was like real professional skateboarding even they were doing it that way, which is the same, you know, we're going to cut down a tree and shape it into a surfboard. I mean, I imagine that the skateboard was just waiting for, like, the the wheel bearing to be invented or something. I mean... The big deal yeah. was when it went to polyurethane wheels versus clay. Right. So yeah. they were clay. I always thought they were, I don't know, um, I guess I, yeah, had no clue what they were made of. But yeah, yeah, they make a point of that in the movie that, yep. like, the those, the, you know... It's like polyuro what? Yeah, yeah. No, that's the whole deal, and the, yeah, it's it's pretty wild as far as like if you ever ride a 
clay wheel board versus a polyurethane board, which is every modern board's polyurethane pretty much. Mm-hmm. It's totally different. You you yeah. try to lean into a turn and it's like you're drifting in a car. Like Skating, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you're not, you know, it doesn't grip. Whereas all of a sudden you got this rubber tire of a wheel and you can go down hills and you can go up pools and you can do everything else and get more radical. You ever, like, fuck yourself up majorly? Yeah, a lot of times. Uh, I've had a... Do you know what a terrible triad is? Uh Uh-uh. So on this elbow, I popped it out backwards, basically skating a pool at 1.30 in the morning. So it broke, like, the upper part of, like, my forearm joint, my, you know, whatever, bicep joint, and then the actual elbow itself. It all broke at once because I popped it out backwards in a pool. So the triad is what you're... I don't know. They call it a terrible triad with the way that, like, basically if you... This joint, like your elbow joint, if you pop it out the wrong direction, it's called... That, that's just the name of it, the Maybe injury. Lower arm, elbow, yeah, and Yeah, it's just like, you fucked your whole joint, bro. Your whole, yeah. <laughs> your whole shit's fucked. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I did one of those once at 1.30 in the morning. Got to I was skating a pool of, like, an abandoned house that we had, like, you know, drained it all, and then we had lit it up with lights and everything. So I then had to drive myself to the hospital afterwards. So at 1.30 in the morning, they're like, so what happened? Like, I was skating a pool... <laughs> What pools open at you know midnight? The one that we drained and lit illegally. Like, yeah, that, <laughs> there's no good like, yeah, yeah. D- yeah, I, I played the fifth. You <laughs> exactly. Know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So that was a fun injury to explain it. You know, 21 years old. Like, nope, I don't know where it happened. Like, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So that'll happen. I broke my wrist a couple times. I broke my ankle. I, you know, it happens. Well, I like. I was never like one that went out of my way to hurt myself you know as a kid i was fairly cautious i'll be honest uh it's like i remember the first time i got on a skateboard and sure. i fell and fucking but you know busted my tailbone yeah i didn't break it but you know I no bru- it'll wake you up yeah. yeah and i was pretty much like ah, i don't you know fall hard enough to taste it yeah i was like <laughs> yeah, I, I you know i kind of decided then and there i wasn't a skater you know mm-hmm. but i you know it's kind of like i always preferred skiing you know i tried snowboarding again like fucking bruise the shit out of my tailbone mm-hmm. and uh i don't know something about like standing sideways never felt comfortable for me <laughs> but uh what are you gonna do um, yeah you know then again i you know later into my sort of early adulthood i kind of like started dabbling with uh with you know rock climbing and mountaineering and stuff like that and i found that like the more it was technical and like you could manage the risk and you could you know, it was just as mental as it was physical. Um, I don't know. I, I found that I got into that kind of stuff, the mountaineering especially. And, like, rock climbing I enjoy, but I'd almost rather be the guy belaying than mm-hmm. I would be the guy climbing. Just because, okay. I don't know, I, I've almost got the support uh, personality more than, like, I want to do the extreme part. Like, sure. I just want to be there hanging out with these people. You know, it's kind of like I've always liked being friends with musicians. You know, and I can I can jam a little bit, but you know, mostly I know my limits, and it's yeah. like let the people that can actually play like run run the song, you know, and I'll like play the harmonica a little bit or whatever. And uh, but you know, there's something about just those types of people that are always like really striving to like do their ultimate best and like push their capabilities i you know i they call them extreme sports you know it's like and you're you're clearly i think racing falls into that category as well Mm -hmm. um but like clearly you're steeped in like extreme sports that's all i mean there's a great uh uh 
Hemingway quote, which is the only real sports are mountain climbing, bullfighting, and auto racing. Badass. And it's like I, Badass. I, you know, I can totally see that, and I would, you know, add surfing to that as an attachment where you're conquering Mother Nature, especially big wave stuff, which I never got into. But the idea of you're taking on every, you know, you're taking on the biggest thing that the world is, can throw at you, mm-hmm. and if you die, you die, and if you don't, it's an awesome video part, and it's like that's there's something very pure about that to me yeah 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 there's that that's an interesting quote and when did hemingway die like i want to say in the 50s i want to say in the 50s too so clearly um at the time his his quote was probably pretty spot on yeah it's like i don't know you can't really conquer yourself well it's a certain breed of person and like i said i don't i don't even necessarily consider myself that person but i like being around those people yeah and uh in some ways musicians kind of like i uh you know pardon the pun but like hit the same chord right Mm -hmm. they they're they're doing something for its own sake primarily and they're kind of like living on a hope and a prayer most of the time there's very few that make a living doing these endeavors uh but a lot of them will be damned if they you know don't keep doing it kind of thing um and I think it's like there's something about that type of person that's just kind of like, uh, like they're more in touch, I think, with their wild self than than a lot of people. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. No, it's one of those deals where you just got to be true to you. I'm like interested in, with the idea of like people going feral. Like I, I think we've been like over domesticated. And like a lot of people are content in their um, bondage, but then other people <laughs> clearly aren't. You know, the punk rockers, the you know, the bullfighters. Yep. Like, you know, there are people that aren't content with like the mundane and like the you know trivial. It's like they wanna they wanna fucking stare life right in the fucking face, and you know. Well, if you think about society, we've pushed a lot of people to the brink. Is between inflation, and I don't mean like in the last couple of weeks or something like that. I'm talking in general, wages aren't going up in the same way that price of living is going up. Whether that means car payments, whether that means rent, whatever. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, I'm talking about 80s to today. You know, we've seen our parents and everyone else be able to afford houses. I don't think I'll ever own a home. I think the most expensive thing I'll ever own is a car. Like it's one of those deals where, it, and it's not by choice. It's just by that's that's the nature of what life is now. Like the society that's been created for us. So you almost think that that leads to like a fuck it attitude kind of thing. Um, I mean, in a way, I wouldn't say. Fu- I mean, yeah, fuck it's a great way to put it, but at the same time, you could put that as yeah, okay, cool. I'm never gonna be able to afford to have kids. So you know what I'm gonna do have the best time I can. And that doesn't necessarily mean like, fuck it, I'm going to hurt someone else. But it's, you know, I'm going to live the best life I can and be the best person I can. And maybe that means that I can't afford everything that my parents could afford, whether that is a family or a home or a second car, you know, whatever. You could put that any way you want to. But the idea is if I'm not going to make it, I'm going to live as happy as I can the way I can. Yeah, I feel that. Um you know, I I always kind of like struggle with this idea of like 
living for the now versus living for the future mm-hmm. you know yeah like, that hedonism yeah and there's a balance to be struck there you know probably as, as with anything there's balance to be had but like i think maybe something about like this type of person that intrigues me that i'm not necessarily one of um is the sort of carefree like live for the now almost exclusively kind of attitude um i don't want to overgeneralize, right there's plenty of like rock climbers that are also driven and like successful people there's you know what what ha- but you, it's more fun to hang out with the free climber yeah I got like the saying. dirt bag there's yeah. a, there's like there's and you know i guess like racing is kind of interesting in that it's kind of a rich boys sport as we've as oh, we've absolutely. established um so it's almost like I don't know. I, I guess I don't know what the point is. There isn't a point. Uh, but there's something about, like, I think no matter where you come from, it, some people are just born with this innate, like, yeah. something something about the normal isn't enough for me, so I'm going to go after the abnormal. Mm-hmm. I think a great example, if you want to compare it to racing, is, um, you know, like Revlon cosmetics, mm-hmm. like, you know, makeup and all that stuff. So Peter Revson, back in the 70s, was the heir to the Revlon cosmetics fortune. All he wanted to do was go racing, and it turns out he was really fucking good at it. Mm-hmm. So he raced in, I, I, I don't know if he ever did the 500, but he raced in Formula One for many years, you know, successfully for seasons and seasons. And, um, you know, he, he died in a race car at the Italian Grand Prix. There was an accident at the start, crazy fire and everything, and he didn't make it. But this dude that could have totally just lived in Monaco, lived in, you know, Malibu, lived in Miami, wherever he wants to go dude could have just sat there on a boat soaking up the sun for his whole life but he wanted to go fucking racing so that's what he did and he died doing it yeah and there's yeah. you know it, I, you know to compare it to there's people that are in it for the money there's people that can make it lucrative and there's people that are in it for the love of it that dude was in it for the love of it well and there's the person that makes it their their central focus and then there's the hobbyist yep and, you know, when it comes to extreme sports, you know, I think it's something to be very cognizant of because you need to respect your own limits. And I bring this up because I actually have lost a friend. And I imagine it, you know, might be likely that you've probably lost. Yeah, I lost a buddy wingsuiting and stuff. And Seriously. A couple of kids uh, surfing. Yeah, different things. No, no kidding. Well, you know, my buddy, you know, died in an avalanche. Back, oh, shit. Backcountry skiing. You know, and it's like, and he was on his way to becoming a doctor, you know, but he was an avid skier and he got into doing the, the more and more extreme kind of stuff. And, um, you know, they would, they would whatever, uh, put the skins on their skis and they would cross country their way up the mountain mm-hmm. and then ski down these like virgin slopes. Right. And he had training and he had an inflatable pack on and, you know, it's like, you can almost kid yourself at a certain point. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like the surfer who... Oh, it's all just for confidence. Uh, yeah. It's, nothing's ever going to save you, but you. I, there's nothing you can do. It's just when your number's up, your number's up. I guess so, but at the same time... Um, I don't know, like, have there ever been moments where, like... I don't know, like, maybe storm swells coming in, the surf is, you know... Oh, yeah, no, there's totally moments where I'm like, oh, we're fucked. And you're like, we shouldn't have done this, or we Mm -hmm. shouldn't do this. I mean, so what's your... I mean, how often do you... I mean, there's both. I've had moments where it's like, we shouldn't do this, and we go out, and then it's like, yeah, we shouldn't have done this. Like, (laughs) like, it it works both ways. It's totally happened before. Um, 
yeah, I don't know. You, you just get humbled and you're thankful when you get out of it, but you don't think too much of it when you're in it other than survival. Yeah, yeah. I've been in some like iffy situations like on the mountain and like, you know, one time like kayaking, we got hit by some weather, um, sea kayaking out, mm. out in the in the outer banks. And um, those moments do humble you. You know, it's just like that's, um, you know, there, there was like a moment for me when I lost my friend. And I don't know if you've ever felt this, but where it's almost like you're mad at them for like for letting themselves get taken you know um like shouldn't have done that you know like Mm -hmm. it's it's a selfish feeling friends Um, that died from drugs and stuff that i felt that way about where it's like dude fuck man like that's so preventable but you know at at the same time you gotta like you gotta you gotta have empathy oh absolutely and like recognize like well how many times have i put myself in a predicament Mm -hmm. and like i got away but yeah it may have not been a chemical but it's nature or whatever else yeah no totally well and i'm sure i you know you bring up drugs but there's 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 some clear overlap in these groups um like drug addicts musicians extreme sports people even racing too racing Mm -hmm. like um, you know, these are people who, I don't know, I, I hate to even put it this way, but is like, is like existence, like difficult for these people for some reason that they are driven to do these hardcore kinds of things, you know, like that's kind of where my head goes about it. Yeah, I don't know if it's damage or if it's just the need to turn things up to 11. Yeah. You know, just yeah. to feel everything as pure as you can feel it, unfiltered. And if that means that I'm not here for as long as it, it means I'm not here for as long. But the idea is I want to do it all and I want to do it all right now. Again, like getting back to that Dogtown Z-Boys quote. Well, and you know, when it comes to living for the now versus living for the future, like, you know, my buddy... I think he was probably living as good of a balance as anybody, you know, like he, he did both. Mm-hmm. He was a, he was a very dedicated student and he was an avid skier and, you know, he was many things. And like he said, his day, his, his ticket just came, you know, and what are you going to do? Um, but you know, it's kind of like it, you have to, you have to have humility or your day might come sooner than it, than it should have. <laughs> you sure. know what oh, I mean? Yeah, like, sure. There's a balance. Yeah. yeah Everyone's walking yeah. the tightrope, especially yeah. if you're into those activities. It's like, all right, what are you going to do? Yeah. I mean, I had my first motorcycle wreck last summer, I think I've told you. Yeah. So that was a little bit of a wake up. And I like, you know, I I still ride, but I ride with extra caution. Yeah. I, you know, hadn't been riding with before. And uh, I don't know, man. I You know, it's like I... It's funny you brought up Hemingway because he's certainly one of these people who you know, I've written or I've read a good amount of his stuff, um, and I've gotten the impression that he just had a real hard time um, with sort of existing. You know, mm-hmm. like he sought out sort of the extremes of life. The he was a man of excess. Yeah. No, he was Hunter S. Thompson before Hunter S. Thompson. Right, right. You know he went to Spain during the revolution, mm-hmm. he, you know, to he, document it. Yeah. yeah. And like all this. And, um, so he's a very interesting cat. You know, he ended up as most people know, ended up dying with a 12 gauge between yeah. his teeth, you mm-hmm. know? And like, 
self-inflicted. It's like, Jesus Christ. But, as most, I don't want to say most good artists, but all of my favorite art, you, Kurt Cobain, yeah. Hunter S. Thompson, yeah. Hemingway, all of them, same same deal. So it's almost like, what's the difference between a guy like Hunter S. Thompson or, or uh, you know, Hemingway and like somebody who, you know, makes it <laughs> as yeah. an artist and like lives out a long life mm-hmm. and doesn't, you know, self-destruct yeah i mean who's, I don't know. who's to say what the difference is you know I what i mean know. we're all just here for the we're all just a year <laughs> yeah. like it's, it doesn't i don't know i don't want to sound bleak but it doesn't matter how long you're here you're here it's it, it yeah i don't know it what's 26 years versus 96 years it's uh as long as you're not i don't know if you're not i don't want to say a slave to someone if you're not like if you don't have kids you don't have a wife you don't have anyone that's dependent on you and you're not a burden on anyone else just live your life Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. There's some something to be said, I suppose. I I've I've like grappled with the issue of um, obligation and like duty, and um, I don't know, man. You gotta, <laughs> yeah. It's it's relative to your situation, but I guess I don't know where I'm going. I don't no, know. It's, the, it's gnarly. It's one of those deals where it's like I don't know. I'm not trying to say, like, to be cavalier about it all, but it's one of those deals where, yeah, no, just live as happily as you can live responsibly, where you don't inflict anything on anyone else, and if you're not responsible for anything, you know what I mean? As long as you're not doing any damage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're being a responsible person, just live your, live you. Yeah, yeah. I I just, my last interview is with a guy who I refer to as uh, Dr. Green Dust. He's my... He's my weed guy. Oh, good times. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, he, I, I think of him as the closest thing to a genuine outlaw. Mm. Kind of want to say that outlaw again. shaman. I want to say, <laughs> I want to say genuine, you know, <laughs> a genuine outlaw slash shaman. He, <laughs> he jokes that he's a medicine man. Yeah, you there know? you go. <laughs> and, um, and you know just him as a personality i find very interesting he's actually i've had him on the show 3 times now um because because of his uh sort of like approach to life and um he clearly lives a life of a certain like calculated risk he has no official income you know he doesn't file taxes he you know he like he lives in the gray market sure. you know like and uh, he's a dark web human. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, but he's all analog, you know. Sure. What I mean? uh-huh. And uh, <laughs> and I just find that so like ballsy. It's ballsy, equally as ballsy as like your you know kite surfing, oh, skydiving, mm-hmm. you know, it's, bull, it's bullfighting motherfucker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know. It'd be interesting to know if like. If Hemingway was was uh, reincarnated, like what kind of what kind of activities he might sure. get into today? You well, it's know? like how we talked about the Hell's Angels over yeah, at uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> at the dugout and stuff. How it also like you know Hunter S. Thompson book of the Hell's Angels where he embeds mm-hmm. himself in it, where it's like, all right, cool, this is for art and this is for documentation, but at the same time, I'm kind of in the shit here. Yeah, well, I'm kind of trying to embody that attitude. Yeah, like, I actually just bought a. I haven't read it. I've read a couple pages, but um, I bought a book. It's Hunter S. Thompson's, like, I want to say sort of um, correspondences. Is it Kingdom of Fear? <sighs> it's, is it around here? No, it's out in the truck. It's out yeah. in the truck. Um, but 
I forget what it's called, but it's got the picture of him shooting his television set yep. mm-hmm. on the cover. Mm-hmm. And um, anywho, his whole, like you said, like embedding himself in the shit and like experiencing it as a like fully um, like a war journalist almost. Yes, Im- embedded is a good word. I'm I'm trying to think of uh, another word. Uh, immersion, like. Mm-hmm. He's immersed in his subject matter, mm-hmm. um, and that's kind of sort of the it's attitude. Like method acting, but journalism. Sure, it's kind of the attitude I'm almost trying to apply with this podcast. Like I, I'm trying to find my way into interesting situations with interesting people. Mm-hmm. You know, some of that is meeting interesting people randomly and inviting them to come talk. Some of it is walking around with the recorder in my bag and yeah. being ready. Like when I was in, I was out in Oregon, and. I wasn't planning on doing an episode about the issue of homelessness, but it just fell in my lap and I ended up doing a pretty deep dive into it. And, um, literally like I bought my Hunter S Thompson book in bend mm-hmm. <laughs> while I was there. Cause I was kind of like looking through all the books at this store and I'm like, damn, like Hunter S Thompson, he like, he, he got it. Like he was, he was trying to, put his finger on like the the heartbeat of yep. authentic america you know not not the pretty picture that they want to show but the truth of the matter documenting the american dream and the failure is the trap within sure you could say that mm-hmm. yeah that's his whole thing with um fear and loathing in las vegas is that a quote he, he talks about not a quote necessarily but he okay. talks about the high water mark of america and how we've all just watched it kind of roll back you know, after a wave breaks and it's yeah. like cool we were all here like there's the love generation and you know we were all were right there in the 60s and all of a sudden the wave broke and there was all the assassinations and everything else and everything goes right back to normal and you get Nixon and it's one of those deals where wow we, we saw that high watermark but fuck everything pulls back it's all just a tide so with that in mind I'm, I guess I'm just curious to ask you like I mean, do you believe that? Do you think it's still on the... I mean, that seems like a silly question, but, like, I guess the that's the preliminary question. The secondary question being, like, where do you think we're headed? I, mean, I, I think that, you know, again, like, just like back then, everything comes in waves and there's tides and everything else, and I think we're at a very, very smelly low tide right now. Yeah. And I yeah. hope that the tide comes back up and that it's not a tsunami coming in, but I, I don't see... I don't know. The world's pretty gnarly right now. Well, that's a pretty good answer. You know, I, um, I have hope, but like, I don't, you know, I have hope. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a like, uh, tempered hope. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, I want to, you know, I'm not, I'm not a, you know, person that expects to see everything burn. You know, I'm not like, oh my God, the apocalypse in yeah, 2012. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm not that guy, but at the same time, you know, I want to believe, but man, it's hard to believe sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I guess that's like a very like probably well reasoned response, and like I am of the opinion that like things could collapse, mm-hmm. but even if they do, it's it's not the end of the world. If yep. you catch my drift, sure. So like again, there's yeah, like I almost think like I hate to say say it this way but like collapse is just a really 
Well, it's like that's just a really rough word for reset, de- reset, decentralization. Mm-hmm. Like, and I think that that's just part of the natural cycle. The hope is we can do it gracefully. Sure, <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, which I kind of doubt, but um, at least on a personal level. I'm I'm hoping to do it as gracefully as, as possible. That's why having a little like bug out setup yep. is is kind of like not the worst idea right now. Having mm-hmm. it, having a camper and you know transport and all that, but I you know I anytime somebody acts like everything's okay, that's when I know I can't take them seriously. But anybody who's like overly alarmist. At I equally don't take seriously, yeah, you know. Yeah. So yeah. my Not whole thing is eggs here. Yeah, my whole <laughs> thing is like you can you can like live your best life and prepare for the future and like have a good time. Yeah, you know, I don't know. I guess I'm being redundant, but it's like this camper is not being built specifically for the apocalypse it's being built specifically to have a good time yeah exactly uh-huh and at the same time now i have a house on on wheels yep so there's like a dual function there um just like i don't know building a business like i don't know you got to make a living somehow i don't know have you ever thought about doing any like side projects or side work or anything like i mean i do have like side you know clients where i do smaller yeah. different yeah things on the side but mostly like photography stuff or um just graphic design graphic actually design mostly design. yeah and there's a band here locally called cease and resist that i do uh all their graphic design and photography for just you know they're my buddies and i enjoy doing it yeah yeah well i don't know you know maybe uh maybe someday we'll find a reason to put your work put your uh yeah your skills to work for the easy peasy podcast i don't know absolutely um you know i actually just opened up for the first time i figured fuck it might as well mention it um last night i got set up a paypal account and a donate button on my website nice for the podcast so if you're listening to this shit i'm thinking we maybe wrap it up here we've been going for an hour if you you know you want to maybe hit the pub I'm not going to oppose. Yeah, that's kind of where I figured we'd head after this. Hell but uh, yeah. yeah, you know, anybody that's still listening, after an hour, I figure you're an actual fucking listener. And if you feel so fucking inclined, I'm now taking donations. <laughs> you know, I, I like, I, I feel funny doing it because um, I enjoy doing this podcast. But the same, like the thing of it is, is I, I enjoy it so much, I'd like to do it full time. And I'd also like to continue to build my gardening business, but I see the two as um, mutually beneficial. But asking for money for the podcast, I've hesitated to do because I almost wanted to like. Per- Were you waiting for Dollar Shave Club to call you? You gotta no, do what you gotta well, do. Yeah, you gotta do what you gotta do. <laughs> but I almost just like wanted to prove to myself that I was serious about it. Mm-hmm. So we're at episode fifty-seven. Um, you know, I told myself episode fifty, maybe I'd ask for money. And I and I didn't quite then, but I wasn't gonna wait till a hundred. So you know, anywho, you're you're on the inaugural like we're trying to monetize this motherfucker yeah. podcast. Give this man money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's living in a garage. <laughs> yeah, no, no. I mean, basically, my promise with the money would be like I, I made a post about it on Instagram. I said my promise would be to use the money wisely. You know, in my mind, that would be to 
continue to grow this little business of mine and ideally like bring in folks like you to help me like you know, I'd love to pay you to do some graphic design work for a new fucking website because the yeah. website I've got is kind of like eh, you know websites are outdated anyway it's all yeah. about social media now no Frankly, one goes to what even if you're going to buy a tv yeah. do you go to like vizio.com or do you yeah. just search like at vizio and see like oh fuck that looks all right you know dude like <laughs> you'd just be my like you'd be my um my i don't know visual consultant you it's just all about branding you just help me brand and yep. we'll, we'll bring some other geeks and digital like personality yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> no i got big i got big hopes and big you know goals and uh you know hopes is like a weak word goals is a strong word i'm, I'm shooting for the moon with this so. hell yeah so i i'm glad to have you on you Dude, know stoked I, to be here thanks think, for having me i think we'll do another one down the road you down know? absolutely probably at the 500 yeah you know? yeah see no, if we'll you do a month of may yeah, yeah <laughs> see if you can't get me like the uh you can give me the whole like I don't know the. Um, we got to do one backstage from the track. view. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For like a carb day live. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Even if I can't get in there, I can get your perspective Exa- on it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. no, we'll do like a Hunter S. Thompson. We went, they went to circus, circus. Yeah, in, uh, fear and loathing. Like, I wonder we're, what we're it takes. Be inside the show. I wonder what it takes to get a press pass. You know, right? Know. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. No, I don't. Uh, this year, we're gonna see if we do anything for the five hundred. No one's told me anything. Right now, we're not. Yeah. So I will be able to go as a fan for the first time since two thousand seventeen. Yeah. So it would be fun, or if not, and we end up having something going on, and I get to work on something, would love that just as much. The month of May is the month of May. Well, you'd probably dig it. I did an episode on, um, or rather, at Bike Night. Oh, okay. Hor- do you know Horsepower Incorporated? I do not. Uh, it's bikes, you know, uh, Harley parts. Mm-hmm. They do, like, Harley fuel injection kits and stuff. So is this, like, a hot import nights, but for bikes? It's I suppose I don't know what hot import nights means, but okay. Um, Think of like every fear, uh, every Fast and the Furious scene yes, where there's everyone yes. at the cars lined up, but instead of racing, it's just like girls kind of dancing and really loud EDM music. Okay, and people showing off their like Honda, sort of, kind of <laughs> like that. Except it's you know it's it's a little more organized, but not exactly like permitted. Mm-hmm. Even though they've tried, they've tried to, tried to get the permits. It's it's a thing that the city won't. City sure. won't endorse it. Cops don't really stop it, but yep. they kind of like come in and disrupt it at a certain point. But yeah, no, it's badass. Um, it was one of my early, early episodes. You would fucking it's, Hell yeah. it's badass, dude. It's badass. I, you know, that was when I first got the recorder in my hand, and mm. I was just like figuring this thing out, and that was the closest thing to feeling like Hunter S. Thompson I've ever had. That's awesome. Yeah, it was, it was pretty sweet. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> Ever told you about um, uh, Hermosa Iron Man? Uh-uh. So Hermosa Beach, you know, where I moved from, um, they have this thing. You know, Hermosa's very, very big with punk rock, like uh, Black Flag, The Descendants, uh, Pennywise. There's a lot of Red Cross. There's a lot of big punk acts that all come from this very, very tiny beach community for some reason because mm. it's located between, like, the harbor where all the longshoremen are and the Chevron plant. And there's this tiny little mile and a half by mile and a half town that's like, for some reason, punk music just comes out of there. Maybe because they're downstream of the chemical there's plant. There's just something about it. It yeah. flows like wine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so there's, yeah. uh, but there's this thing called Hermosa Iron Man that's been going on since the mid-90s where on the 4th of July, there's a uh, totally unsanctioned competition where you have to uh, swim a mile, paddle back a mile on a surfboard, and then drink a six-pack of beer. 
and whoever like finishes the six pack of beer first and keeps it down for ten minutes is the Hermosa Iron Man, and it always takes place the Fourth of July morning, and, but it's always before like nine a.m., like seven a.m. to eight thirty, whatever. And at the end of it all, a uh, punk band plays like Penny, Pennywise, whoever plays, and they'll play on the sand straight there, like you know, there's an American flag in the middle of the mosh pit, and they're just playing on the sand until the cops roll up. And it's like, all right, cool, we'll all leave. Like, there's no disruption. Everyone yeah, packs yeah. up their stuff and goes home. But there's no permits. It's totally unsanctioned. Every homeowner that paid the money to live there hates it. Uh-huh. But all the kids love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, let the kids have a good time once a year. God damn it. On the 4th of July? Come yeah, on, that's freedom, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what I think, you know. I yeah. Don't even get me started on the No 4th. one's getting hurt. Everyone's there, you know, because they got the text message going, all right, cool, I usually don't wake up till 9, but I'm going to wake up at 6.30 yeah. to make sure I get to the beach to party with my friends on the holiday. Yeah, now that you told the told me what it was you have mentioned that before because yeah. i remember you telling me about drinking the six pack and you gotta you gotta keep it down that's, that's yeah that's yeah fun. no I've, I've always been a, uh, a spectator never a participant because i don't sure. think i could do that but yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah passionate observer that's funny man <laughs> yeah well i tell you what i think um unless you got anything else you want to share man spay and neuter your pets <laughs> Good answer. <laughs> yeah, you're definitely welcome back anytime. <laughs> yeah, we'll get you back. Maybe we can, uh, you know, I, I like getting more than a couple people on the mic at the same time. Yeah. Uh, so maybe we can rope some other folks from the Dougie out. Definitely. Uh, no, you'd love yeah. the, the band that I know, too. They'd, they'd be sick. To- yeah, yeah. That'd be cool, man. Yeah. All right, well. Uh, Sweet, bro. Thanks for uh, coming. Yeah. Thanks for listening, guys. Yeah. This has been Mike the Polymath with the Easy Peasy Podcast. Come back again.